Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Good morning, Christ Fellowship. Buenos dias, buenos dias. How are all of you doing? Good? I know it's pretty warm outside, but we're excited that you're here present for our service and for those of you watching through the live stream as well. Many of you know we've been going through the Bible, so starting in January, and this is important for you to know because all of our lessons, you could see it, they're on YouTube. You could go to cfofelizabeth.live, and you could see all of our teachings starting from January, the first Sunday up to today, and pretty much every Sunday we're covering a different book of the Bible. Now we're in an interesting time period now because we're going through there's a little feedback. Am I the only one that's hearing it? You don't hear it? It's good? Okay, good, good, good. Um, just wanted to let you know that we're highlighting now the minor prophets. So there's going to be a list behind you there. So you get to see what we've been doing. It says here, minor in size and not message. We've gone through the left side already. And we're starting on the right-hand side too. So just because there's short books doesn't mean that the message is any, like it's not significant. It's, they're very powerful, powerful messages. So to start things off, just want to let you know that here in 2022, every year they come out with a list of the popular names. Whenever you have a baby, if you, you're having a baby, you try to think of a name to give your child. I was looking to see where Carlos was in the top 100. It wasn't there at all. Carlos is not there. It hasn't been in the top 100 I saw since 2013. So no more Carlos is moving forward, it seems. But Car- the, the name is not popular. But the most popular names are this. For boys is Noah. Any Noahs in the house? No? Liam. Oliver. Oliver uh, is up there. Oliver is one of the most popular guy names in 2022. And one that I found interesting is gold. Gold. Yeah, like straight up gold. That's like a name that um, they're naming babies now. Male babies is gold. So if you meet someone, be like, it's my little baby gold, uh, then you, you heard it here for the first time. Now, what's interesting with girls, the top four names for girls is Olivia, Emma, Amelia, and Ava. So actually, if you know Alex and Ashley, or, you know, two of our key leaders in the church, they have three out of the top four names, most popular names in 2022. So definitely, these are popular names. Now, something that's very important for you to know, we're going to be talking about two names, two prophets today. And I guarantee you that their names are not found in the top 100, and you will not 
find them probably in any top 100 any of the years. It's going to be right here behind you. It's Nahum and Habakkuk. Have you ever heard those names before? Now, some of us, this might be kind of like news to us, but these are actually two books in the Bible. Your Bible's made up of many books. There's 66 books in your Bible. So the Bible's not just one book. It's actually a library. It's 66 books. So today there's these two books, Nahum and Habakkuk. We're, we're going to be um, highlighting these two books. And not only are they very unique, I think that if you would ask your average Christian and you would ask him, it's like, hey, have you ever read the book Nahum or Habakkuk? Um, they might l- be looking at you like, uh, what is that? Uh, you know, that's in the Bible. Yes, those are two books in the Bible. So many Christians might have not even known that. Some Christians, many, uh, like probably never even read that. But today you will leave here at least knowing what these two books are about. What I'm going to do, I'm going to highlight briefly both books, but then I'm going to focus on Habakkuk when it comes to the lessons I want us to learn. So with Nahum, the major thing I want to start off by um, letting you know is that here, and I know in my family, Movies is a big thing when it comes to uh, people in my family loving them, especially Jen. Anyone here loves movies? Big movie lovers? I know Jen absolutely loves Netflix, right? Netflix, often. Uh, She thinks she sees a lot of the movies. She falls asleep while it's on her lap. She's like this. She's like, roncando un poquito. So, So Netflix is a big thing. And I know many of us watch movies. When you think of sequels in movies, like I I wonder what comes to your mind when you think of sequels. Star Wars, someone said Star Wars. Harry Potter, what else? Avengers, Karate Kid, Flash, MASH, all right, all right. I know that there's a couple others. I know someone said in the Spanish service, the Lord of the Rings. I know uh, for myself, one of my absolute favorite is Rocky. So does anyone know what year Rocky came out? 1976, it came out. That was actually the year I was born, even though I always tell you I'm 25. But 1976 was the year Rocky came out. You know when the next movie's coming out for Rocky? Next year. Next year, they're coming out with another, was part of the Creed series, but obviously it's a continuation of Rocky. When you think of sequels, it's important because in highlighting the book Nahum, which we're going to talk about briefly, Nahum is actually the sequel to the prophet Jonah. Okay? It's a sequel. So when you think about it, whenever, well, the prophet Jonah, what ended up happening to Jonah? He got swallowed by a whale. And I know, like it was mentioned last week, Pastor Joel mentioned too, how even Jesus comments comments about Jonah um, pretty much being a sign and pretty much recognizing who he is and what happened to him. So we know that the prophet Jonah was sent to give a message to Nineveh. 
And all of a sudden, years later, 150 years later, there's another prophet named Nahum who he's pretty much sent to give a message to Nineveh. Now, this is the thing that's interesting with this prophet is that the book of Nahum is the message that the prophet Jonah wanted to give. Remember the prophet Jonah wanted pretty much just to give bad news and to really tell Nineveh that they're going to like pretty much be destroyed. There's going to be like consequences and like to all their sins and action and there's no mercy and let pretty much let fire come down from heaven and consume them. That what the, that's what the prophet Jonah wanted to pretty much tell the people from Nineveh. But what ends up happening is that God pretty much told them to pretty much preach a short message, and then there was repentance, and it wasn't what he wanted. Now, with Nahum, is completely different. The message is the message that Jonah wanted to preach, but Nahum was able to preach it. And just to give you an example, in Nahum chapter 2, verse 13, it says this, I am your enemy, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I don't know about you, there's a lot of things that I could think of I wouldn't want to happen in my life. One thing that would be at the very top of the list is ever hearing God say, I am your enemy. Like, think about that. Like, this is the message that the prophet Nahum was saying to Nineveh, like pretty much the people of Assyria, This is the message. I am your enemy, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Your chariots will soon go up in smoke. Your young men will be killed in battle. Never again will you plunder conquered nations. The voices of your proud messengers will be heard no more. So that just gives you a sense of pretty much the consequences that that are going to be taking place to Nineveh, Assyria, through the prophet Nahum declaring. Some quick facts about the book. There's three chapters in Nahum. Uh, The slide is going to be behind me. Uh, Obviously, um, the book is a prophetic book. The date written was 650 BC. The period covered 658 to 615 um, before Christ. The author was the prophet Nahum. The next slide tells you a little bit about the summary. It's only three chapters long, so you can literally listen to it on the way home while you're driving. Chapter one, the destruction of Nineveh decreed. Pretty much God says the destruction is coming. Chapter two, the destruction of Nineveh describes, that chapter literally describes what's gonna end up happening. Chapter three, the destruction of Nineveh deserved, pretty much highlighting the fact that they deserve what's coming to them. And lastly, what I want to highlight is that we know that every name has a meaning. Like each one of your names, there's a meaning to your name. The name Nahum means comforter, comforter. Even though he had a message Pretty much that, like, you know, like God is against Nineveh, against Assyria, and literally this is pretty much the justice of God that's going to come down against them. Even though that was his message to them, he pretty much was bringing comfort to the southern kingdom. 
Because at this point, Assyria had taken over the northern kingdom and they were tormenting the southern kingdom. So Nahum had a message of comfort to everyone in the southern kingdom, pretty much say, hey, God's justice will prevail. And the consequences of what Assyria has been doing, it's, it's all going to come to a tipping point, And this is the time period it's going to take place. So that is pretty much a summary of the book of Nahum. And now we're going to jump into the book of Habakkuk. Now, before talking about the book of Habakkuk, I don't know if this ever has happened to you. Have you ever called someone by mistake? And all of a sudden, they're listening to everything that you're talking about. Has that ever happened to you? Has someone called you by mistake and you were able to hear all of their conversation? Yeah, you can raise your hand. I remember one time, this was actually pretty funny. I was, I was doing something in the community and I didn't know, but I was on Facebook Live. I don't know how I did it. I guess I was on Facebook before I started doing what I had to do and I must have hit the live button and it was in my pocket. They weren't able to see much, probably just my keys, but they were able to hear everything that I was talking about. So I was talking to a few different people and literally the whole world was able to hear everything that I was talking about in conversation. Then my phone was blowing up. Like people were trying to hit me up, like trying to save me, like nothing bad. I didn't say anything bad or anything, but they were just like, yo, Carlos, you don't even know, but everything you're saying, it's like it's being heard by everyone on Facebook. So literally they were calling me and I, and I remember, uh, I remember actually the person that called me, some of us know her uh, as Christy Kapindikia. She's the one that reached out to me. Um, she's a teacher in the school district. She reached out and, and I saw she was blowing up my phone. So I was like, let me just pick it up in case it's, it's an emergency. And she was just like, Carlos, you're on Facebook live. I was like, what you mean? I was so confused because I was like, I'm not, I don't do a I rarely do any Facebook Lives. So, but sure enough, she was right. I was on Facebook Live and every, everyone was able to see it. So the reason why I highlight that, has that happened to anyone else? No? All right. So I'm the only one that needs prayer. Okay. So, so pretty much the reason why I say, say that is the book of Habakkuk is very different compared to all the other books that we see. I want you to imagine like all the other books all the other books, like we end, up, we end up seeing like literally is, is the judgments that the prophet is declaring to the nations or to people and everything. That's a lot of the prophets. That's what they end up doing. But the book of Habakkuk is literally as if he went on Facebook live back then and you were able to listen to and tune in to a conversation between God and a prophet in the Old Testament. So it's a two-way conversation for them too. So literally, you've, they called us by mistake, you could say, but even though it's on purpose because the book is in the Bible, but like they called us by mistake. They went on Facebook Live by mistake, and you're able to see and hear a discussion between a prophet and God and them discussing things. So I don't know about you, but literally that alone would make it interesting for me to even listen and pay attention because all of a sudden you're hearing God's responses to the prophet 
and you're listening to what the prophet in that day is saying to God. So it's similar to you being in your prayer room at home and imagine God's voice being audible and by mistake, you go on Facebook Live and we're able to hear the discussion that you and God are having. Now, something that's interesting, how I was mentioning like names have meanings too. The name Habakkuk means wrestle. He wrestled with God. He wrestled with God. And I guarantee you, we're going to go into it in a little bit. Even though he lived about 2,500 years before us now, I guarantee you the things that he wrestled with, you might be wrestling with right now, this moment in your life. Habakkuk learns that God answers prayers in four different ways. He answers by saying, what, what, what is it that we always want to hear God say? Yes. All right, just to make sure, nadie puede estar dormiendo. Everyone say yes. God answers yes. God sometimes answers no. Do we like no? We know to no. We know to no. We don't like no. Sometimes God answers and he says, wait, not yet. But then sometimes God answers, he says, yes, but not in the way that you expected at all. So think about it. You're praying for something specific, and that's what you want. And God looks at you, it's like, yes, I will be doing something about that, but nothing at all compared to what you expected. So this is pretty much what's happening here with Habakkuk. Now here, we're going to do a couple quick facts here so we could see. Number of chapters is three. Of course, it's a prophetic book. Date written 615 to 605 BC. Period covered 608 to 598 before Christ. Author Habakkuk. Here, um, we're going to do the chapter summary so you could get an idea. It's only three chapters. Literally, you can listen to the book on the way home driving. Chapter one, the main point you'll get out of this is God is movement and uh, God is moving and judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. So God is moving and bow, bow is coming. Literally, God is telling Habakkuk, God is moving and mira, viene el cinto pronto, it's on the way. Yeah, when I was little, I have to say, uh, my dad didn't have to give me too much pow-pow. Uh, my dad, all he had to do is go like this. He used to just hold the belt. Yo, he used to hold the belt. like, yo, papi, no, yo. So he, I, I think all the years, he only like spanked me once with the belt, but that was enough. I learned my lesson. The moment he just showed me the belt, it was like, cosa que quiere, papi. So here, God is saying in number uh, one, God is moving and judgment is coming. Pow, pow is coming, Habakkuk. Pow, pow is coming. Chapter two, the five reasons for judgment. He pretty much highlights why judgment is coming. Now, this is important for us to know. Judgment is coming to the southern kingdom. Judgment is coming to Israel, to Judah, to the people of God, because they are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. 
Like they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And then chapter three, Habakkuk's prayer and declaration of faith. Now here, the key verse is this, Habakkuk chapter one, verse two says this. And the reason I picked this as the key verse is because I want you to feel the frustration that Habakkuk has. And it says this, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you don't listen? Or cry out to you violence. He's talking about violence that's happening among the people of God. Those that say that they're people of God. It says violence, but you do not save. So here, that's just one verse, but to give you an idea of what's happening. So here, I'm going to tell you four questions that Habakkuk asked during this little book. Obviously, there's more, but these are the four ones. And I guarantee you that at one point or another in your life, you've asked one, two, three, or all four. Some of you today might have all four questions. This is question number one. It's going to be behind me. God, where are you when I need you? God, where are you when I need you? Chapter one in Habakkuk, verses one through 11, if you're taking notes, This is pretty much what Habakkuk is saying. God, where are you when I need you? I I know in my life, there are many different situations where things were happening that literally, I'm like, God, where are you? Where are you? Because literally it seemed like the world was falling apart around us because of certain situations that took place, certain tragedies. Some of you know with even Jen's father, how he was murdered in Hillside. That night, we remember, of course, as clear as day, as clear as day. And that night, it was one of those nights like, God, what's going on? Like, what's going on? Like, Like, why is this taking place? Like, and I know for each of us, there's those days that we could turn to God. It was like, God, why? Why did this happen? Where are you when I need you? Another big question is this, why bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to, have you ever had that question? I mean, why do bad things happen to good people? This is highlighted in Habakkuk chapter one, starting at verse 12 to chapter two, verse four. Another question that Habakkuk says is, why do good things happen to bad people? It's the reverse. It's like you you see people in your life that obviously we know we've all fallen short. We've all missed the mark. But in our eyes, like those people are like really bad. Like they don't deserve anything. He's like, I don't know loteria. You know what I mean? Like, how could they win the Powerball or whatever? So, uh, or, you know, all of a sudden you'll see like the most random uh, people and in your eyes, they're bad people, but good things happen to them. So this is one of the things too, Habakkuk turns to God. It's like, why do good things happen to bad people? And the fourth question here too, he says, will I make it through this difficult season? This is chapter three, verses one through 19. Will I make it through this difficult season? Have you ever gone through a season you didn't think you were gonna make it through? It's like here at Bacchus, it's like, will I make it through? Will I make it through this season? 
So that's the, if these are questions that you've wrestled with, if these are questions that you have today, there's definitely some answers that you will learn. There's going to be some key lessons that we, we will learn on the way that God responded and what we learned through the book as a whole. And we're going to highlight four major lessons. The first one is this. God is always working. God is always working, always working. Even if we don't understand it, even if we don't see it, God is always working. God is always behind the scenes. Like sometimes we feel it's like, you know, we have to see it. We have to experience it. We have to understand it. Let me tell you something. Whether you're following God or you're not following God, God is working. Whether you're literally like you've turned your back on God or whether you're 100% devoted to God, God is working behind the scenes. God never sleeps. Literally, he's always like, he's always seeing our entire lives in the scope of the whole world and in the purposes that he wants to accomplish. And he's always doing stuff. God isn't lazy. God is not one that's not doing things. God is always doing and accomplishing the things that he wants to accomplish. And here we see this. Uh, Obviously, you know the questions that Habakkuk had and the frustration that he had And one of the main things that God says right in the beginning is this. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5, he says this. Look at the nations and watch. God is telling Habakkuk, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe it even if you were told. So I love this because right off the bat, God makes it clear to him. It's like, hey, I'm, I haven't gone anywhere. Some of us, we, don't, we feel like we haven't felt God's presence in such a long time and we feel like God isn't around. Or we feel like there's been a lot of circumstances that don't add up or are bad and you feel like God is not involved. And those are all lies because all of a sudden here, Habakkuk is feeling this way. And, he, and God says, look, look at the nations and watch. He literally says, not only am I doing stuff, I'm going to do th- things that are going to blow your mind away. I'm going to do things that even if I would tell you, it's going to be hard for you to believe. And sure enough, this was hard for Habakkuk to, um, to understand, because remember I told you, God can answer your prayers. He might say yes, he might say no, he might say wait, but he might say yes, but I'm gonna do it in a way that you would have never, ever imagined. And that's pretty much the way that God did it in Habakkuk's day. The second major point is this. God's ways don't always make sense. God's ways don't always make sense. We feel like we need to understand the way that God does things. And the reality is God does things that we won't understand. I don't care how long you've been following God. Some of us, and this is something that's very dangerous. Some of us have been following God for such a long time. We think we got God figured out. I'm going to tell you, you, myself, we don't have God figured out. 
The prophet Habakkuk, he loved God, served God during a time period that almost everyone turned their backs on God. He stood, stood firm following God and still God's response blew his mind out of, out of the water, you could say. So for us, if you've known God for a long time, you, you, we think that God's supposed to act a certain way. God's supposed to do certain, you could almost predict the way he's doing things. The reality is that God will use the, um, the, the person that you think is most unlikely to be used. You know, like we, we feel as though that certain things have to be a certain way to be God's will. Let me tell you something. God is working behind the scenes with everything. Like so, so many of us get caught up with politics or so many different things. The reality is no matter what's taking place in this world at this moment, God is behind the scenes, his fingerprints on, on everything. There's a purpose for it. Do we understand it? No. Does it make sense? No. It's not supposed to make sense because he's God and we're not. We're not. And some of us, we think we're God. We live our lives thinking that we're God. So we, we, we make decisions thinking that we're God. We think we have things figured out thinking that we're God, but the reality is it's not. And the reason why I say this is God's ways don't make sense. And the reason why this hit Habakkuk so hard was this. When he was pleading to God, he was seeing all the injustice, the idolatry, the violence, and everything in the southern kingdom. And, his, and he was pretty much standing in the gap like, God, we want revival here. We want repentance here. We want, we want things like to turn around and for people to give their hearts to God. Like what's going to take to get people to change? And God's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to do that. I'm going to bring the people to that place. But it's not the way that you expect it to be. I'm going to allow the Babylonians to come. And they're going to come and conquer the southern kingdom. They're going to literally take the Israelites and take them all into captivity. Literally. And then one of the things Habakkuk would struggle with is like, God, they're more wicked than we are. The Babylonians are more wicked than we are, but you're using them to conquer us. That was one of the things he was struggling with. This doesn't make sense, God. Punish them and then, you know, like do something else for us, I guess. But it didn't make sense to Habakkuk as on how come you're using wicked people to bring judgment on the southern kingdom of Israel. It doesn't make sense. Here, as a reminder, in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 through 9, it says this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So here pretty much in the book of Isaiah, I love this passage. God makes it clear. It's like, you know what? I know you think you have things figured out, but my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than our ways. And then he compares the two, pretty much saying, it, it, pretty much saying as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
So are my ways higher than your way and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And I know many of us, we've heard this verse um, so many times, but we forget it. We forget it. We forget that the vantage point and perspective from God is completely different from his standpoint than ours. We, we run around life. We run around life during the day. We wake up in the morning. We, we probably do our cafecito in the morning. How many of you, you got to start the morning with your coffee? If not, you got some problemas if you don't got your coffee. Cafe Bustelo. So, uh, so, so, prima, some of you is like, no, Cafe Bustelo. I got Starbucks. So, whoever says Starbucks, those are the ones that got dinerito. So, just say, no, no, no. Starbucks be expensive. So, so, check this out. So, literally, for many of us, we get caught up thinking that life is about waking up early, drinking your coffee, taking the kids to school, going to work, coming home, and pretty much eating dinner and repeating it like pretty much repeating the cycle, repeating the pattern of our lives. And one of the things I've mentioned in the past is, imagine us praying and asking God, God, from your vantage point, like what is it that you want me to be a part of? What is it that you want me to do? Because not to say anything, many of us, including myself, if we're not careful, we literally end up being in the hamster wheel of life, just going in circles. Some of us feel like, what's the purpose? Like there has to be more to life than us going through this hamster wheel. And the reality is, is because of our vantage point. You're just looking and seeing things that are right in front of you. You're not seeing things the way God sees it. One of the things that I love, like YouTube has so many different videos And one of the things I absolutely love is seeing a video of an eagle where they put a a camera on the eagle, okay? A GoPro on the eagle to be able to see the vantage point of how the eagle sees things. I want you to check it out just for a few seconds here. Some of you are getting nervous just watching that. How many of you don't like heights a little bit? But in that video, you clearly see that the vantage point that the eagle has is completely different from the vantage point that someone that would be walking on the ground would have. Similarly, like walking through the streets of Elizabeth and Newark look very different when you're coming out of Newark Airport and you're on the plane and you're looking out. It's just completely different. From God's vantage point of him sitting on his throne, knowing what he knows and seeing everything, everything is completely different and we need to trust in him. So we have to trust in his vantage point. The third major lesson that we learn in the book of Habakkuk, and this one is one that's actually very hard for us to accept. This is one that might be a tough one for you to swallow. And it's this, it's going to be behind me. Suffering is sometimes part of God's plan. Suffering is sometimes part of God's plan. Sometimes you hear certain pastors or believers pretty much like literally make it seem like when you give your life to God, 
when you give your life to God, there's like no suffering. Like kind of like, it's like, no, it's like, you know, victory on victory, no sickness, no death, no nothing. Like literally, it's like everything is going to work out, no problems, no issues, no situations, nothing that would allow you to suffer. Like it's not part of God's horizon. Nowhere in the Bible that God says that, say that you're not going to suffer. He just says that while you go through suffering, he will be with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll be there to strengthen you. He'll be there to walk this journey with you. Obviously, God does do, like he does miracles and he does different things. But we don't understand the reasons why he say yes sometimes, why he says no sometimes. Sometimes he says to wait and sometimes he says yes, but I'm going to do it completely different, not the way that you expected. And this is a tough one for us to swallow. And something I, we need to, for us to realize is that sin is what opened the door to suffering. But God uses suffering and allows suffering to accomplish his purposes and his plan. Now, this is the thing, but think about it, how we're so quick whenever things are going wrong, or let's say when, when there's sickness or when there's, there's troubles or circumstances or bad things are happening, the first thing that many of us think is, ese fue el diablo, that was the devil. It's like, you know, I rebuke the devil. Like the devil's trying to destroy my day. Like I'm not supposed to have any type of suffering. I'm not supposed to go through any difficult thing. And the, the reality is that God allows suffering. It wasn't brought by the devil. God allowed it to happen in our life for, for some reason or another. And we might not know the reason why, but it's been allowed. And there's a greater purpose behind it. Now, so many times, like, you know, I mean, when you think about it, uh, there's so many examples in the Bible. And some of us were like, you know what? Well, maybe this is more like an Old Testament thing. Not a New Testament thing. Um, some of you might not know, but 11 out of the 12 pretty much disciples, uh, most of the disciples' traditions say that they died as a martyr for God. As a martyr. They got killed for being a disciple for Jesus. How many of you want to be a disciple? Right? You want to raise your hand? All right. So here you know, and Jesus, the greatest example is Jesus. Jesus suffered in his journey. Was there a greater purpose? Of course. But he suffered through that journey. And so many times we think that suffering, when suffering is happening, something is wrong with us. Something, it's an attack from the devil. But the reality is that suffering has a place in God's eyes in our lives. Something that's uh, interesting is this, is I'm going to give you two points concerning suffering. Number one is this. Suffering is in the eye of the beholder. Suffering is in the eye of the beholder. There's a video that's gone viral. It's on TikTok a lot and Instagram. It's going to be behind me real quick. See if some of you might have seen this already. So right there, how many of you saw that already? So it's a, it's, a, it's a cute video, but there's a lesson here for it. Literally, the kid says to his dad, dad, I'm running away. 
<laughs> it's so funny because he, he has a skateboard. I don't know where he was going with that skateboard. He's going down the block. He has a skateboard and a Minecraft sword. I know my nephews love Minecraft too. It's like, I guess it's a little powerful, that little Minecraft sword. So he has a little, and not to say anything, aren't most of those swords like foam? Like, who are you going to defend yourself with with a little foam sword? So it's a little foam sword with a little skateboard. And he says, Dad, I'm running away. And then it pretty much the dad says, Jonathan, what are you doing? And then Jonathan says, you said you don't love me. I'm leaving. So literally, he's determined that he's leaving. And then he says, Jonathan, I never said I didn't love you. And then the kid says, yes, you did. So he's determined. He's determined that he was told he didn't love you. And then the dad says, I said, turn off your PlayStation and go to bed. So this here is a prime example of suffering being in the eyes of the beholder. You have a kid that's suffering, okay, to the point that he's running away with his skateboard and Minecraft. And if you saw the ring camera, at the very end, he took off. Like, he's like, get back in here, the dad said. And he just went off running. I wish the camera would have continued and stuff. We, we know what really ended up happening. Probably Cinto came out. Who knows? But pow, pow. So, so all of a sudden, here you have a kid. From his standpoint, he was suffering. He was suffering to the point that listening to his dad say to turn off the PlayStation, go to bed, interpreted that he didn't love him. That's, that's what he heard. He heard that dad doesn't love me, but yet dad just said, turn off your place and go to bed. I can imagine it was probably a school night. You got to go to school tomorrow. But yet in his eyes, he's suffering to the point of running away, to the point of thinking that his dad doesn't love him and, and literally just feeling like his whole world is falling apart. And at that age, like, I don't know if he had things mapped out, but like shelter, like all these other blessings that Father God, you could say, his dad would give him, but yet he was willing to put everything on the line to run away because he was caught up from his vantage point. His world was a PlayStation, and he was told to turn it off. We could easily laugh at that and be like, yo, that kid is funny, yo, this and that. The reality is so many of us in this room, we act just like that kid. We act just like that kid. We've all done it. All of a sudden, we pretty much, we interpret something as suffering and we literally run away from God. We run away from God. And all of us here in one way or another, we've distanced ourselves at a certain point in our life from God. And maybe that's you. You, you decide, it's like, you know what? God doesn't love me. Why, why has he not allowed me Maybe not to play PlayStation, but he didn't let you do something else that you wanted. And all of a sudden you run away. You, you're, your answer to it is to pick up your Minecraft sword and your skateboard and roll away from the home where you got blessings. Like Father God blesses every single one of us every single day in ways that we can't even imagine. In ways that I can't even imagine. Like I even think of even like my mom, like um, so many times I, I talk to my mom, many of you know, 
Um, she, uh, she's up there in age, like, um, I'm not supposed to say how old women are, 84, but uh, like, you know, she's up there in age, and so many times, like, we go out to eat and stuff, and she makes it clear, she's like, Carlos, yo tengo mi dinerito, like, I have, like, my money, like, don't, like, pay for me type of thing, and the funny thing, she asks, she says that to me every time we go out to eat. Or anytime we do anything, she's like, she takes out her little wallet and she's like, oh, I got a couple of bills here. Like, let me pay. I was like, mom, you're not paying for anything anymore. It's like, you've done so much for Rosie and I through the years that I, we don't even know. Like, think about it. Like, I don't remember anything before my five years, like, you know, like when I was a little kid, all the sacrifices that she did before that. And also like through the years. It's like she's not paying for anything. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, for me, it's an honor to bless her and to treat her. So I'm using that as an example. It's like how many blessings I received in my life from my mom that I never even knew or I can't comprehend because I don't know in detail the sacrifices that she had to do for me. And in our lives, we get blinded to the fact that God is blessing us. Even though we run away from God, even though we're not following him, he still blesses us because he's generous and he loves us. And he's not there, like, you know what I mean? Like, in any way, shape, or form to punish us. He just wants to draw us closer to him. That's his major goal. So for us, we need to realize that we can't act like this kid because for us, suffering looks very different. Something that I I remember as clear as day, um, some of you know that Jen and I had the opportunity to go to Africa a few few years ago before COVID. And when we were in Africa, we went to a couple different countries in Africa. Uh, One of the places we went, we went to Kenya. And when we were in Kenya, we had the opportunity to help build a school in Kenya. So we were there hanging out with the kids and being there. And there were two memories that I remember clear, clear as day talking to the principal. One of them was talking to the principal of the school in Kenya and seeing the kids come barefooted, like barely with not much clothes, trying to make their way to school. And I asked the principal, how far do these kids travel to come to this school? And the principal said about two hours to get to school. Now, they're coming barefooted up hills, mountains, and everything to try to make this school. But you know what blew my mind away? How happy they were, how joyful they were, how excited they were to see us. Like, they were, like, all smiles, like, having fun along the way. In our eyes, we could see that as suffering, right? And they don't see it as suffering. Like, they're literally having a blast going through the hills and the mountains, making their way to school, being excited to have the opportunity to be in a school because a lot of the tribes don't get that opportunity. So they're excited to have it. But think of how we interpret suffering. Traffic in the morning, like too many schools, parents, double parking. All of a sudden, like, we, we, we feel like, like we're overwhelmed. All of a sudden, we're late. And to us, we consider that a level of suffering, right? And something that's interesting too, just to give you an example of how this is a whole different world. After school, 
The kids didn't want to leave. They were hanging out, and we started playing football with them. And mind you, we're playing football. It wasn't even with a real ball. It was just something they put together with. We're like playing football there, and the principal comes out, and he's like nervous. You could tell like there's like fear in his eyes. And he's like, hey, guys, don't hold the kids back. Let the kids make their way home. And we looked at him. was like, okay, is everything okay? He's like, the elephants are coming. Okay. Now, here in Elizabeth, you do have to worry about Broad Street pigeons and uh, cats biting your toes and, and maybe a couple raccoons here. You don't have to worry, worry about elephants, a stampede of elephant, elephants. Literally, the way the kids go home, elephants go down that path every day at a certain time. And the kids have to leave and make their way before the elephants start coming through. The kids going to school and back also carry different things as weapons because along the way they could face lions, um, like cheetahs, like they don't know what they could face as they're coming to school. So I'm using that as an example. Suffering is in the eye of the beholder. So for all of us, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, I'm going to give you two key um, um, verses, but before that, I just want to remind you, suffering is also the path of a greater purpose. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, it says this. Joseph said this to his brothers. Remember everything that happened to Joseph. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph understood that all the hardship and suffering he went through, God allowed it. But there was a greater purpose for it. We know that Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says this. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who loves him, who have been called according to his purpose. So here, we, a key word there is all things. All things, all suffering, everything that happens in our lives that doesn't make sense. Every time God answers our prayers in ways that we cannot comprehend. Every time there's circumstances that makes us feel like our whole world is falling apart. Who knows what it is? It it, it might be your doctor letting you know something that you weren't expecting. It might be news from your job. It might be news from a family member. It might be a tragedy that occurred. There's so many different things that happen in our lives, but we know that all things were for good. We might not understand why or how, and we might never understand, but it doesn't change the fact of who God is. God is always good even if it doesn't seem that way in our eyes. Because we know, think about it. The little kid felt like his dad was bad. The little kid felt like the dad didn't care. The little kid felt like the dad didn't love him. But God did love him. And there's certain things that take place in this life that could really shake us to the core. And that's why we could really relate to Habakkuk. And the fourth lesson that I want to highlight now is this, is trust God 
in the waiting and pain. Trust God in the waiting and pain. So many times we don't talk too much about the waiting. The waiting is a time period where we're in a, in a season where things aren't moving and things are staying the same, like you could say in your life, and you're just waiting for God to answer. You're waiting for God to move. You're waiting for God probably shared a promise with you and you're waiting for that completion. Like you're in that season of waiting. And what do you do as you wait? And also to trust God in the middle of the pain. You know, the reality is it's easy to trust God when everything is going well. When everything's going well, it's easy to say, praise God. It's easy to say, you know, like, God, I give you my life when everything is going well. But what about when things are not going well? Because the reality is many people come through this door with a fake smile, fake smile, fake, like pretty much like uh, fake Christian, Christianese. We know the right things to say. It's like, how are you doing, brother? Oh, praise God. We're, we're, I'm blessed. But yet inside our lives, in our heart, we feel like things are falling apart. The reality is too, it's like there's many marriages that are probably struggling so much, but yet you're struggling to try to hold it together with God. There's so many relationships with children that you're having a difficult time with your son and daughter. There's so many things that might be happening at work. There might be so many things happening at home. Financially, some of us here, we don't know how we're going to pay our mortgage. We don't know how we're going to pay our rent that's coming up the next month. Like we just, there's so many unknowns that take place in this life that we don't know what to do. But here in the book of Habakkuk, we see what the prophet does. Think about it. He ends up getting the news that he doesn't expect because literally what God said is that, hey, I know you're saying how bad things are. Things are going to actually get worse. That's what God told Habakkuk. Think about it. Like, it's like you're going to get invaded. You probably want a revival to take place. An invasion is coming. The Babylonians are coming and they're going to sweep all of you out. That's what the future holds. So, so many of us, we want God to speak to us. Like, imagine if you're praying, you're like, God, speak to me, speak to me. I would love to hear from you. And imagine last night an angel showed up into your room. You open your eyes and the angel says, I have a message for you. And you're excited because all of a sudden we automatically think it has to be a good message. And all of a sudden he gives you the, the little scroll to read. And it's like, hey, the next season of your life, it's going to be very difficult. There's going to be suffering in the next season. What would our response be at that moment? What would our response be? Because the reality is many of us, we wouldn't be excited about hearing that. But here, I want you to hear some of the most powerful verses in Habakkuk. It's Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 16 to 19. And it says this. After, before I'm going to read it, I'm just going to let you know, 
pretty much God revealed to Habakkuk everything that's going to take place. And this is what Habakkuk says. I heard my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones. And my legs trembled. Yet, I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Even there, how he says, I'm going to wait patiently. I know that there's worse days ahead. I'm going to just stand anchored and wait patiently. And then it says, though the fig tree does not bud, but and, no, and there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me, my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights and then even continues to use this as a song as well. Here in this passage is so powerful. And I know some of us, we can't relate. Though the fig tree does not bud, no grapes on the vine, no, um, though the olive tree crops and the fields produce no food. But this is pretty much Habakkuk saying, though my world falls apart, Though everything goes in ways that they're not supposed to go. Though everything that I use as income, everything that's my security falls apart. Though everything gets worse in the days ahead. He says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. No matter what happens in my life, yet I will rejoice. I'll be joyful in God, my Savior, because pretty much his joy is in God. It's not in the circumstances around him. The sovereign Lord, the one that's in control, the one that from his vantage point, he sees everything. He is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Something I want us to realize, it's possible to be scared and also to trust God. It's possible to tremble and to praise God. It's possible to fear and also to worship. It's possible to be shaken, but not to give up. It's possible to have joy in God, even though everything around you looks hopeless. In Isaiah 40, 31, it says this, but those who wait on the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. I don't know about you, but there's so many moments in my life where I want to mount up with wings like eagles. Like the video we saw, like to see things from a different vantage point. I want everyone to bow their heads at this time. I don't know what you're going through in your life right now. Maybe you've encountered a tragedy, a loved one passed away that you have tons of questions about. 
Maybe right now your circumstances financially is all over the place, unsettled. Maybe right now there's a lot of drama at home. Maybe right now you're at a brink of a divorce. Maybe right now literally you feel like your life is falling apart. You have more questions than answers. Maybe right now you feel paralyzed by fear and paralyzed by doubt, paralyzed by the unknown. And the reality is we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what's in tomorrow, but we know that God is in tomorrow. But if you're here today and you need to have faith like Habakkuk, where even in him receiving bad news, he said, despite of everything that's happening, I'm going to worship you, God. Right now, many of you are going through situations. And you need to make a response to to worship God with all of your heart, mind, and soul. I've asked the worship team to come out to sing again for God to transform us from the inside out. Because we need to be transformed by him so that we would be able to see things the way that he wants us to see him. And we should choose to praise God no matter what. So if that's you today and you know that you're going through something today, or let me tell you something, even if you're not going through something now, the fact that we live in this life, in the future, seasons will, will end up coming of affliction, of struggle. It's just part of life. So the major thing is to declare who your God is and be anchored with him. No matter if you're in a storm today or there's a storm in the horizon, you will always choose to praise God. The altar is open. And I wanna invite you to come forward to worship God, to declare that God is your king, that he is the one that you would praise no matter what, even now during this worship song. Come, come to the altar. Father God, the cry of our heart is to bring you praise, Lord God. So even now as we close this service, with our eyes closed and our hands raised in surrender. God, we declare that you are our king. We declare that we follow you, God. We declare that we will worship and praise you no matter what is happening in our lives, in the good times, in the bad times, in times that don't make sense, in times where your response to our prayers is no, in times when your response to our prayers is wait, and when times and when your response to our prayers is yes, but in a different way that we can't imagine or comprehend. God, we choose to always praise you, to trust you, to be anchored in you, God. Because no matter if everything around us does not make sense, we will always be loyal and faithful to your word and to you, God. Because you are our God and we trust you with everything in our heart, mind, and soul. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. We love you. Stay encouraged. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. 
We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch On Demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.